So right now, what we're going to do is uh, do the blessing before the reading for the Torah portion. And I'm going to open up by saying, Baruch Adonai Hamurach. Baruch Adonai Hamurach Leolan Vayet. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Asher Bacharbanu Mikol Hamin Venatalanu Etoatut. Baruch Adonai Noten HaTorah. Amen. Today's reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 1 through 5. This is the blessing with which Moshe, the man of Hashem, bade the Israelites farewell before he died. He said, Hashem came from Sinai. He shone upon them from Seir. He appeared from Mount Paran and approached them from Ribiot Kodesh, lightning flashing at them from his right. Lover indeed of the people, their hallowed are all in your hand. They follow in your steps, accepting your pronouncements. When Moshe charged us with the teaching, as the heritage of the congregation of Yaakov. Then he became king in Yeshurun, when the heads of the people assembled, the tribes of Israel together. We all say, Amen, Amen, blessings. The reading after the Torah. Ba'uch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natalanu Torat Emet Vechaye Olan Ata Betochenu Ba'uch Adonai Noten HaTorah Amen Vezot HaTorah Shel Sham Moshe Lifnei Bnei Yisrael Al Pi Adonai Beyat Moshe This is the Torah which placed Moses before the children of Israel on the mouth of Adonai in the hand of Moses Amen So this is the final uh, chapter here that we're going to be covering today in the book of Devarim. And the final chapter really is amazing because it gives us a powerful message. You know, there's a way that we start the story and there's a way that we end the story, right? And here, Rabinu Moshe is teaching the, the B'nai Israel how really to end the story. You know, when it's all the matter said and done, how is it that we're going to, how is it that our story is going to look like? Remember, each and one of you is in your own independent journey right now. You have still a lot of power and authority in how your story is going to end. See what I mean? It's not really dictated by anybody else other than you. You have the control. You are, in the, you are controlling the wheel as to where is the car going to finalize? Where is the final stop? And then here is what we encounter now, Vezot Habracha. And this is translating, this is the blessing. Now here, because the title carries a pack of information that really we need to be able to recognize so that we can walk it out every day. You know, how many of us want blessings? I mean, who doesn't, right? Who, wants, who doesn't want a blessing? Everybody wants a bracha, right? But the idea is a lot of times we just don't understand what that looks like. How do we walk the blessing? What is it that God is uh, trying to convey in the parasha Vezot Habraha. So let's get right to it because we, we're, we're, we're a little constrained in time in here. Deuteronomy 33.1 opens up by saying, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death, it says. Rabino Moshe is about to just passed away, right? And he's got some encouraging words for all of his people, essentially the people of Hashem. And in Hebrew, it opens up by saying what? Vezot habracha asher, right? 
and then it says, Berach Moshe Ish HaElohim, it says. And what we want to look at is, first of all, when it talks about the blessing, because two things that we need to look in here, why does it open, again, here it is, we're starting a portion with a vav, right? And so we, it's, a, again, a connecting story here from last week's parasha. And it says, and this is the blessing. Well, we're going to cover really what he meant by saying vezot in Hebrew. Why did he use vezot there? Why is it the Torah reveals that? But before we share that, let me share the terminology of baracha. And really, it's, it's talking about, again, barach, which is blessing. It means like a gift, benediction. Also carries the understanding of even kneeling down. Why? Because the blessing is when someone submits. It's all essentially submitting or giving what? Reverence, right? It's like you're kneeling down uh, with an open hand, essentially. So it carries all these different connotations and meaning. What Really, they're not contradicting one another, but rather they're complementing one another. How do we receive a blessing? Well, you don't receive it by being haughty and puffed up, you see. It's teaching us to humble ourselves. By humbling ourselves, we receive open hand. He who humbles himself, the hands will be full. You see, so it's, that carries that an idea. That's why it says also like a gift. We're given a gift. So let's look at this in plain gimachu, though. When we look at the terminology or the statement in here, habracha, right? And this is the blessing. And gimachu gives us 640. Now, this is going to make a lot of sense in just a second here because we just revealed to you that Vesbracha, blessing, means the one who is kneeling down with the open hand. It's essentially like a gift, a benediction, right? It carries this understanding of, again, meekness, right? So guess what? In 640 for Vezot HaBracha, we get the one Hebrew word, Shemesh. And what is Shemesh? Servant. This is the idea. This is the blessing, Hashem says. And it's what? A servant. The connection between one kneeling down with the open hands, we can see the allegories in here of a servant who is what? In the house of Adonai, constantly serving him day and night. And this is the blessing, he said. Let's look at this terminology, how it looks like. Isaiah 41, 8 through 10 says, but you, Israel, my what? My servant, he says. Do you know that if you grafted in, or if you feel that you're grafted into the nation of Israel, right? Do you know that you have a title of being a servant? So that's why it says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, who I have what? Chosen, he says. Descendants of Abraham, my friend, to whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant, he says. I have chosen you and not what? Rejected you. Why is the idea of not rejected you? Well, because listen to what, uh, what it's saying. I'm calling you from the what? Remotest parts of the earth. Why? Because they're in exile. See, the idea is God is trying to convey to them, even though you're in exile, at least understand that I have not forgotten you. You see, this is, this is just a, a season that you need to spend there because, unfortunately, you did things that were not necessarily very pleasing in my eyes. So now this is what we have to go through. It says in here, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be, listen to this. It says, do not fear, because if we are a servant of Hashem, in reality, what do we have to fear? You know, 
fear for the most part, and I'm talking about the essence, not the fear of the Riyah in Hebrew, the, 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 uh, the, the fear of Hashem, the, the awe of Hashem. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fear of the world and the outcomes of life and what the what ifs, right? I mean, all these things really essentially, they're, they're, you know, we covered just Ecclesiastes yesterday. Mark did a wonderful job in that. In reality, these are all vapors. They, it's just, well, why are we worrying so much? You know, one day we're going to look back and we're going to say, wow, I could have saved myself 95% of my life on earth not worrying. Talk about time being utilized for better things. You know what I mean? I could have saved myself probably another 20 years of life <laughs> because I worry so much. You see, in reality, he's telling us, do not fear. Do not fear. You know, for all those of you who are struggling with faith issues, I would recommend reading Isaiah 41.10 every day. It's just a reminder as you wake up that who you are. He says, you are mine. I have chosen you. You are my servant. Fear not because I am with you. This is the key, right? Do not be anxious Look up, looking about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you, he says. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. You are my witnesses, he says, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have what? Chosen. You know, this is a very, very repetitious. And you know why? Because this is Isaiah 43. You know why you're going to find this word servant so much? From Isaiah 43 all the way to Isaiah 54, the reason why you're going to find that word almost in every other verse is because consider the four, the, the four servant songs in, in the book of Isaiah. And it starts with Isaiah chapter 41, and it ends with Isaiah chapter 54. So this, so this is very well known. All these chapters deal with the suffering sovereign, the, the servant, which is Israel. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. I am my servant, whom I've chosen, he says, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, he says. Before me there was no God form, and there will be none after me. He's so clear. Hashem is just so pure. His words are pure and clear. He says, before me there was nothing, and after me there will be nothing at the end of the day. Hallelujah. Look what it says in here, 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me, he says in here. But remember, who is he addressing here? He's addressing Israel. He's reminding Israel something. You know what I mean? Why? See, you have to know the context of things. Why is he reminding Israel this? Where is Israel? In the exile. Why are they in the exile? Because of their idolatry. See? Because of their idolatry, he's saying this. And look how we read in Hebrew. It says, Anochi, Anochi in Hebrew twice. It's God stuttering. <laughs> he says, Anochi, Anochi Hashem. Ve'en, he says, Midbaladai Moshiach, he says. Now, this is going to really, really blow your mind how it reads in Hebrew. Again, sometimes translation just doesn't do much to service. But he says it twice, anochi, anochi, to stress a point in here about what he is about to say, right? And the word in here that I want to share with you, it is mi baladai in Hebrew. Mi baladai is literally, it's a two-word in here, bal and ad, that we can break down, essentially. And the mi, of course, is coming out or from so when we look at this in here, it literally means something that is exclusive. 
And the word Baal means without. So that's why it has, and I can't point it out, but be the Baal and the Lamed literally means not, essentially. Something without. And then the Ad means also like a witness or something that's eternal. When you put them together and conjugate, it means something that is exclusive, something that is soul, essentially, something very unique. Look, apart from me, literally. What he's saying in here is that apart from me, there's no Moshiach. And, and, and not Moshiach, <laughs> Moshiach. I know it sounds like Messiah, but that's not what it means, guys. There's no Chet in there. It's an Ayin. Moshiach is talking about saviors, to be specific. And why does he say it that way, folks? It's literally saying that apart from me, there's no other Savior, simply put. doesn't matter. And it's a constant reminder for the people of Israel. Hallelujah. So let's continue in here. So now in Deuteronomy 33.1, because there are now the servants, and remember the Vezot HaBaracha connects us with the servant. That's why we deviated in that way. He wanted to give you examples what servant and how it's used in scriptures in connection with Israel, right? So now we're going to see something very beautiful. And, it, you know, the parasha opens up with Vezot HaBaracha. And we're going to see really what the terminology is. And let's go to the Chumash real quickly. In the Chumash, it says, Moses also used the word Vezot in Hebrew when he began his summation of the Torah before he died in 444, which symbolizes that Israel's way to achieve the blessings of its patriarch and teacher, Moshe in this case, is by studying and observing the Torah. Here's the thing, and here's the, the, really the, the, the news for all of us, maybe history for some of us in here. But if you want the blessings of the Holy Scriptures, you cannot obtain them without the Torah. This is why he says, Vezot habracha. This specifically, Vezot. What is he talking about? He's talking about the observance of the Torah, essentially. It's not just good to say, oh, the Torah is good. It's not just good to say how pretty it looks. It's not just good enough to say, I trust and believe in the Torah. We have to literally observe the Torah and shomer the Torah as well. The more, let me put it this way to you, family. The more you do Torah, the more blessings comes your way, simply put. There's nothing aside from that. It's really, it's, there's no shortcuts to this. The more Torah you do, the more commandments you decide to bind yourself with, the more blessings you receive. Do you have to do them? Absolutely not. Why do you think Moshe gave the people an option? I mean, if there was no option, then he would have never said, I present to you blessing and curses. He would have just said, I present to you blessings and that's it. And you're going to take it or die, simply put. No, he said you have an option. You can choose to walk in the curses. That statement is still true for us today. Amen. Deuteronomy 33, 2 and 4 says, he said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir, says. He shone forth on Mamparan, and he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand, there was flashing lightning for them. Indeed, he loves the people, he says. All your holy ones are in your hand. Do you listen? He says, all your holy ones are in your hand. And look what else. And they follow in your what? Steps. And everyone receives what? Your words. 
This is packed with a lot of information, folks. Much, and we don't have time today, but it's really beautiful. Three things that I, I, I put a line in there is it, all your holy ones are in your hands, folks. This goes back to he's saying, don't worry. Do not be dismayed, for I am with you. <laughs> because guess what? You are in his hands. He has you covered. But the only way he can be in your hands is if you what? If you're following his steps. And you're receiving his instructions. Look, look what Hamash says. The souls of the holy ones of Israel, he says, which are stored with God in the bond of life. In a broader sense, the reference is to the righteous and pious ones over whom God bestows his special providence, protection, and what? Guardianship. But, you know, how can we merit such things like this? Well, we have to go back and see that we got, first of all, we have to be in his hands. You know what that means, right? To be in his hands, it means that you need to let go of the wheel. You need to let go and control because if you're in his hands, he leads. If you're not in his hands, you're leading. It's a tough one to swallow. But it's a very, very good one because we're in his hand, then we're going to follow his steps. That means that we're not going to follow our steps, family. We're going to follow his steps. Wherever he leads, however it looks like, it doesn't matter. Any preconceived ideas that we have, we will flush down the toilet, simply put, because we want to do only what he says, simply put. Amen. When we can get to such a point in our lives that we declare today that I only want to do it your way and nobody else's way, that's it. And I only want to please the king of Israel. Folks, that is the day that you will receive redemption. That is the day that you will be able to break from any preconceived ideas that you have ever learned in your life. And it's just like that. Very easy. Just the, having the desire to do it his way. That's it. It's always been the formula. So let's continue with homage. The Israelites are worthy of God's special attention, they say. Because they were gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai to receive the Torah. Israel signifies its eternal readiness to carry the burden and yoke of God's commandments. In other words, are you ready to do that? Are you ready to pick up the burdens of God's commandments? Are you ready to quit idolatry today? Are you ready to be able to change your mindset and yield to his ways as opposed to what you think it looks like? This is the key, folks. You see? Proclaiming and teaching the verse to its children. This is the duty. Folks, this is how we change the outcome in the future. You continue to change. You continue to teach your what? Your children. As soon as they are able to talk, Humash says. The verse expresses our conviction that not only will we be loyal to the teachings of the Torah, transmitted by Moshe, right? But we will assure that it will remain with our children and also with their children. You understand how this works. It start. You can make a difference today in your family. Do you want to start something new? Or you want to continue with the old wagon. You see. Start with the new wagon. Let's continue following the king and his ways. Here, Deuteronomy three four says Moses charge us with a law, a procession for the assembly of Jacob. It says. See how this reads in Hebrew. It's very interesting. It says Toasivala nu Moshe Morasha. Kehilat Ayakov, it says. But it first of all, it says, Torah et siva lanu. This, is, this, this Torah is a commanded for us. It's a siva lanu for all of us, it says. Moshe commanded it to us. And what did he command? The morasha in Hebrew. 
Now, this is going to really, really, hopefully, you see something very prophetic and beautiful in here. Because Hashem says that the Torah is a what? A morasha in Hebrew. What is a morasha? Let's look at this in Hebrew. Morasha literally means a heritage. Now, this word for morasha is from the word marash in Hebrew, which means a representative, a deputy, or somebody who delegates. Now, in a minute, this is going to make sense. What is the connection with a heritage and actually a representative or a delegate? You're going to see how. And this is going to really, you know, really technically shut the mouths of a lot of people out there. They just talk a lot of nonsense, you know, and they don't know what they're talking about. The Torah, first of all, is a morasha. Keep that in mind. Morasha is something that is a representative. Keep that in mind because we're going we're gonna to see really how this connects in a minute. So what is the difference between an inheritance and a heritage? You see? Because it doesn't say that the Torah is your inheritance. The land of Israel is an inheritance for those who are faithful to Hashem. But the Torah is not an inheritance for the people of Israel. Rather, it's an heritage. A heritage refers to the general endowment received by a nation from one generation to the next. You see? Whereas inheritance is a term used to describe the assets passed down by one's own immediate ancestors, such as father to son. So if I have a quarter of a million dollars, I leave that to my children. That's an inheritance. If I have land, I leave that to my children. The Torah, and in other words, nope. The Torah is something that we pass down. Now, the aspect of the Moasha is what this is where bring this is where it brings it all together. How exactly is the Torah passed down from one generation to the other? Now remember the, the word for Moasha is from Marash in Hebrew, right? And it literally means a representative. Now all this makes sense, folks, because the representatives is talking about delegates and leaders. Let's go to Tractate Avot 1-1 in the Mishnah, and look what it says. This comes in perfect agreement with the, with, with the Tanakh in the term Morasha. Moses received the Torah at Sinai and transmitted it to Joshua, Joshua to the elders, and the elders to the prophets, and the prophets to the men of the great assembly, and the men of the great assembly to the local synagogues. And there we go. You know, the whole thing we call traditions? Okay, that is morasha. You are passing down, handing down something from one generation to the other. And remember that the root for that word is by what? Representatives. Leaders. Well, who are leaders? It started with Rabinu Moshe. Moshe handed this down, and it went all the way down the pipeline, all the way to the great men of the assembly. You see, and then from the great men of the assembly to the Sahedrin, to the Sahedrin, to the synagogues, and now it's handed down to the people. See? They said three things. Be patient in the administration of justice. Raise many disciples and make offense around the Torah. You know, this is the things that most of Hebrew roots today have a problem with. We don't want to add to the law of God. Well, you got a problem then. You're doing against God's ways. God says, fence the Torah. Deal with it. This is the way it's been fenced for thousands of years, and this is how it's been handed down to our ancestors for thousands of years. So why do we want to reinvent the wheel? See? Now, all of us in here in this room can say we don't agree with it. God says, I don't care. You don't have to agree with it. You just came into this show. We're about to end, bro. You're coming into the show now. This has been going on for thousands of years. You don't like it, you can go 
back out. It's the reality. We need to quit while our opinions are ready. This is the way God says, end of story, final. No ends and buts about it. Simply put. And again, it is supported in the Tanakh by the word Morasha. Look, something more about Morasha that I want to share in here. In Pesachim 49b says this. The sages expound, how do you say that word? Homotelically? Homotelically, there we go. My English is not my first language. You're going to have to excuse me. Long words like that, I can do it in Hebrew, but I can't do it in English. Okay, so that word, it says, it, the, the word morasha can be read also and spelled as meorasha in Hebrew. Very, very similar. Extremely similar, but look, the, the term meorasha means married. So when he says that the Torah is a heritage for the people of Israel, right, it's, it's also connecting and hinting a marriage here. Could that be true? Absolutely. What is the Torah? It's a legal document. It's a legal document that binds the people of Israel and the God of Israel together. It means Mary, meaning that the Torah and the Jewish people are considered like what? A bride and a groom. Well, Hashem, amen. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 33.5. It says, then a king arose in Yeshurun. This is very powerful here. Listen, pay attention to what the Torah is saying. So far, what are we seeing in this, in this powerful ending message in here? Torah, Torah, Torah. Blessings and Torah. Torah and blessings. He is literally hammering this down on people's head. Blessed is the one who follows the Torah. And, but now in 5, there's a very, very powerful message in here 5 because it says, Then a king arose in Yeshurun. When the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel, it says. Let's read this in Hebrew. It says, Vayehi Beshurun Melech. Then it says, Behit Atsef Rashe Am Yachat, it says. And wow, in English and in Hebrew really brings it more together because it's saying when the leaders. Be'asaf in here, they gather together. That's why it says the Rashi. This is talking about the Rosh, the heads, the leaders. Listen, in verse 5, God is giving us the cure to our disease today. You know, the Holy One does not inflict us first without giving us the cure. <laughs> Here's the cure. We already carried the disease. But now we need the cure, you see. And it says in here that the leaders are gathering together. What is the key, in, key word in here? Together. Look, listen, I don't know if you've seen what I'm seeing in here. I'm going to share with you in a minute. It starts with the leaders. In other words, there can be no king in Israel. Unless the leaders and the people unite. Literally, that's what it's saying. Then a king arose in, in Jerusalem. When? When is the king going to rise in Jerusalem? By the way, that's another uh, word for Jerusalem, the rabbis say. When would the king arise in Jerusalem, we can say safely. When the leaders and the people are yachat. In one, 
we were talking and we were midrashing to, uh, last night and this morning about that, weren't we? We're waiting for the world. You know, the, the, the whole world's just waiting for the world to get more evil so that, you know, good can come. And no, right here, guys, even right here says it. Only the king of Israel will come when the people are finally united in righteousness. And it starts with your leaders. The king will not return and be king until it takes place. This cannot happen. We need to, and by the way, the, the, the teaching in here also is that we need to not associate with rebels in a community as they are the antithesis of God's program and will for his people. You understand this? You want God to come together. Stop hanging around with a bunch of rebels who are constantly dividing the body. Find yourself united people, bind yourself with the united people, and let's get in the, under the wings of Shekhinah, and let's get with God's program. This is the only cure, folks. There's no other short, there's no short uh, cut on this. We have to do it. It's very, very important. And leaders today are not coming together. That's the problem. So if the leaders are not coming together, how can the people come together? You know, the people are only going to follow as the leaders are following, by the way. Look, IBN Ezra says this. Moses was the king for the entire nation, show his allegiance and obedience to him. Key word, obedience. Okay? As the one who taught them God's Torah, according to Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, the Torah itself is the king, they say. For it is Israel's what? Ultimate authority. You see? IBN Ezra continues with this, saying this, Indeed, for one to say, hear this, guys, for one to say that he believes in God, but not in his Torah, is the same as denying God himself. If you say you love God and you believe in God, but you don't trust in his Torah, you don't believe in the Torah, then you don't believe in God, he's saying. For look what he says, for a king without authority is no king. Wow. You get this. A king without no authority is no king. So if we're saying that we love God, that we trust God, but yet we're not doing exactly what his word says and we're not really coming under that authority, then guess what? There's no authority. There's no king. Look what Sforno says. Sforno continues by saying, once Israel declare its eternal loyalty to the Torah, listen to that. Once Israel declares its eternal loyalty to the Torah, God became the king of Jerusalem. The answer, it's right there, folks. Here is the answer. When will God become king of Jerusalem? When the people quit their stubborn hearts already and get under the wings of Shekinah, Right? And come to the loyalty of the Torah. That's when it's going to happen. And guess what? It can start with you. Because it is only among those who grasp and diligently involve themselves in its study that he is truly king. If he is truly king, then you're going to be studying the Torah, simply put. Why? Because you're studying the laws of your king. See? This is so by far so, so important, folks. And let me tell you how important this is. And I'm just going to give you one example of what this looks like in here. This is so far example that we're going to go to the book of Judges. 
in a time when the judges said that there was no king in Israel. And everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And look what happened in here. Let's turn to Judges chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. And in a time like today, where everybody seems to have the answer, and we're all going in north, south, east, west, we're, not, we're just going all different directions, Deborah stood up for righteousness. Now, this is not going to sit well with men who just like to oppress their women and treat them like subjects. Women have a great role in God's kingdom. A great role. And if men, you don't stand up, your wife will become a Deborah. She will stand up. And it's not about order. Even by all, by beloved sages even talk about this. And look what she did. Then Deborah and Barak, they say that Barak was her husband. The sages teach that Barak was Deborah's actually husband, but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't stood up. He would never stand up. So she took the reins and stood up. Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoah, sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, and when the people willingly offer themselves, then what do we get? Bless the Lord. What is the title of this portion? Vezot Habracha. And this is the blessing. The blessing comes when leaders lead and when people willingly offer themselves. It has to be very, very cohesively together, both groups, the leaders leading and the people willingly giving themselves to Hashem. When those two unite together, guess what happens? Hashem is blessed. You see? And this is one of the things that, again, we are missing today. I'm going to take you to Judges, but not to read the whole song. This is part of the song. You can go there and read it in your own time. But let's go to Judges 5.9. Just a few verses down. Look what it says. She says this. After she says, when leaders lead and the people offering themselves willingly, blesses the Lord. She says, my heart is with the rulers of Israel, she says, who offer themselves willingly with the people, bless the Lord. There it is again. Are you, is this making sense to you guys? This is so important, folks, because all of you are crying about Ooh, the end times and what's happening right now, and everything is going bad. And my life is upside down. I can't seem to grasp to it. Listen to the words of the Torah. Are you following this pattern here? If you're not, I don't want to hear the complaints. Follow the pattern, and you will get answers, I promise you. Because I'm putting bet in God's word. Never comes back void. The check never bounces. It's good. What we need to do is work on our hearts. We can work on our hearts. This can actually be very, very great. So we're going to conclude today with the last words of the Torah. As this is the final book, right? I want to share something beautiful with you. In Deuteronomy 34, 10 and 12 says this. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, they say. Whom the Lord knew face to face for all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants, and on all his land. 
and for all the mighty power for, for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of what? Israel. All Israel. So we're going to see something very prophetic in because the word, it's interesting that the last word, the very last word of the Torah, the first five books, ends with Israel. What about the first word? Well, we're going to find out today. So let's see. The first word of the Torah is what? Bereshit. In the beginning. And the last word is? Israel. In the beginning, there's Israel. And at the end, there's Israel. But look, let's look at this. The first letter from Bereshit, and we're going to see it today, that I'm, I'm not making this up. Bereshit is the large bite, the bet in Hebrew, which is bite, which means a house. We got a big and large letter there. We're going to talk a little bit about that on Shabbat. Then we end with what? Israel. And the first letter for Israel is the Yod. When you take the bait, the bet and the Yod in Hebrew, we get B in Hebrew. And what is B in Hebrew? The house in me. Think about that, folks. Israel, Israel is in the heart of Hashem. See that? It's beautiful. What a better place to be. And look, we're going to conclude with this scripture to actually prove what B means. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. In Jeremiah 31, 35, look what Hashem says. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and fix orders of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea, so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Listen to what Hashem is saying in Judah and Jeremiah. I am the one who calls the sun to come and the sun to go. I am the one who tells the stars. I name them, each and one of them. This is how much control and authority Hashem has with all the universe. And look what the amazing words that he says in here. Verse 36, he says, If the fixed order departs from before me, Meaning, the day the sun does not obey God, okay? The day that the moon does not obey God, the day that the waves of the sea does not obey him, that'll be the day that Israel will cease from being a nation of the God of Israel. When would that be? Never. You're getting this. It's kind of like a rhetorical question in there. You know, if the sun will stop from obeying me, like really the sun is going to stop from obeying God? <laughs> but it, 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 it brings the point home. When will Israel ever stop being God's people? Never. Ever. This is why the word be in me. And my house is Israel. And that's why for all of us who have grabbed the hold of the zitzit of a Jew, as Zechariah 8.23 says, 
we are to bind ourselves to his Torah and to his people, by the way. If God says that his people will never cease from being from him, right? Then I think our attitude towards the nation and the people of Israel needs to change. Because there he's letting you know how he feels about it. And that is our final parasha for the book of Deuteronomy. Amen. Thank you, guys. So all together, let us stand. All together, when we finish a parasha, we always do this. And on three, we're going to say, Hazak, Hazak, Veni, Hazek. Be strong, be strong, and may you continue to be strengthened. Hallelujah. So on three, one, two, and three. Hazak, Hazak, Veni, Hazek. Be strong, be strong, and may you continue to be strengthened. Hallelujah. Hashem said to Moses, and when you are to bless my beloved people, you are to bless them by imparting my name upon them. What we're going to do is uh, hear the blessings of the, again, the, the blessing that this has been recited for thousands of years. This name that we're going to be carrying as we leave here today, folks, we got to take it serious. We're carrying the name of the God of Israel with you. That means that the way you conduct yourself will determine whether he is glorified or what he's defiled. Amen. So he said, when you have to bless my beloved people of Israel, you have to bless them in this way. you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the name of the Lord be upon you forever. Amen. Amen and amen and shalom everybody. We'll see each other on Shabbat. Hallelujah. Let's begin.